I went to a marvelous party. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. Live from the Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California, it's the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, the Internet's first live comedy variety show. Featuring special correspondents from the worlds of entertainment, politics, and lousy relationships, everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you through thedinnerpartyshow.com with your hosts, New York Times best-selling novelists Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to the live cast of The Dinner Party Show for June 23rd, 2013. And tonight, we will not be talking about Sarah Palin's return to the Fox Republican Party Promotion Network. We believe that if we just ignore her, she'll go away. And if it works, next, the Cardassians. As long as we're on the topic... We don't care what they named their baby. Whose baby? That's the spirit. Uh-huh. We will also not be discussing any viral videos featuring large snakes. Ugh. That includes the one that got spread all over Facebook this week in which a large snake allegedly opens a door all by itself. And I'm saying allegedly because neither one of us has actually been able to watch this video all the way through. Isn't that right, Eric? I did. Curse you, Rachel Maddow. Oh, no. Listen, we love viral videos. In fact, we use them to promote the launch of this show. But we think they should remain limited to adorable cats and problematic depictions of racial stereotypes oh. that amuse everyone for a few weeks before inspiring hostile <laughs> debates on blogs a few months later. <laughs> we will also not discuss or speculate about what the anarchist obstructionist members of Congress are up to. Not only do we not have any idea what they're up to, it seems clear that they don't either. Suffice it to say that so long as they are content to spend all their time alienating immigrants, minorities, and let's bear in mind that now includes white folk, mm -hmm. air travelers, drivers, parents, and women, the only true majority left, we're content to let them. Indeed. We will also not be discussing any more of the supposed inside scoop on what a troubled production World War Z was. Ooh. Why? Because I saw it last night and it's actually a damn good movie. <laughs> As for everything else, it's still on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show. Tonight's Dinner Party Show provocation comes to us from Sister Mary Steve from the Butchalite Sisterhood in Sarasota, Florida. Hello, God. It's me, Sister Mary Steve. Can you hear me all right? I'm not sure if I'm getting through or if maybe I've got a bad signal. Recently, when I was asked to do this, by the way, boys, it's called an invocation, not a provocation, but whatever. They asked me to pray over this mess, and I mentioned a few things that I've been wondering about, God, and now I'm wondering, did you get the message? 
Just for the record, in case St. Peter or the Angel Metatron or whoever takes your messages for you misplaced my original, I was just hoping you could send us a sign. It's pretty noisy and confusing down here, and also, there are a lot of people claiming to speak for you who don't sound a lot like you. Most of the people who claim to speak on your behalf are of the mind that first, in all your wisdom and all-powerfulness, you created the universe, and then you hated most of it. I can't blame you. I'm not crazy about most of it either. I mean, teeth, God? What were you thinking? Dentists are not naturally occurring, you know. But even so, I can't really believe that you are a wise and all-powerful deity who created the wonder of life and the universe, who is also a feckless and incompetent jerk who didn't see all this coming from the start and got most of it wrong in the first place. Anyway, God, if this is your plan, and I have to believe it is, because you know, who else really? But if this is your plan, then if you could maybe be a little clearer about your intent and a lot more helpful to those of us who are actually trying to help one another and waste a little less time and treasure on those who just say they are but then seem to spend all their time and gold on anything else, that would be great. So thanks in advance, God. Hail Mary and whoever and amen and oh yeah, bless the dinner party show. Peace be with you. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special dinner party show announcement from my co-host, Eric Shaw Quinn. Eric? <clears throat> uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Christopher. Uh, we we at the dinner party show uh, would like to take this opportunity to thank the people at the Exodus Ministries for doing possibly the first kind Christian mm-hmm. and useful thing that they've ever done by apologizing to gay people and closing their operation. Absolutely. Applause sound here. Thank you for the first and last time, Exodus Ministry. And I guess the breaking news of that story is that we actually thanked the Exodus Ministries for doing anything at all. Well, that's why we thought it was newsworthy, because we would be thanking the Exodus Ministries. We'll talk a little bit more about that later with our guest. A lot more about that with our guest, Karen, Karen Oakham, Oakham, award-winning journalist, will be joining us to do Karina a roundup. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Somebody mistakenly referred to her as the Kraken in, in a text message earlier. <laughs> I think Kraken Oakham. I like that autocorrect goes from Karen to Kraken. I think that we yeah, should call I, this the Kraken Report. We had a brush with I had a brush with autocorrect as well. No, it was Siri. I had a brush with Siri. A brush early. with Siri. Siri is really needs to get her shit together. I swear. <laughs> some of the times the things that she comes up with, I think that's not even a word. Why would you pick that? Did you yell at her, Siri? Get your shit together, and she said back, "Raccoons, flapjacks, hello, good right. morning, Japan." Right. She looked it up on the internet. Right. Yeah, I think we should do. Oh, we were gonna. We were thinking of doing. Our lives are so hard. We really. It is. I can hear. <laughs> and did you hear they were out of Nutella at my brunch place today? It's just been one thing after another. I can hear America crying for us yeah. currently. Boo fucking who? Boo fucking who? Uh, we have a big announcement. I have a big announcement. You really? had a breaking news. How big story. is it? Well, my big announcement is a half big announcement. The ebook edition of my first novel, A Density of Souls, is finally available on Amazon. Finally. Finally, I produced this edition myself. I wrote an original 5,000-word afterward, which describes an excruciating, 
intensely personal detail, <laughs> the life-changing publication process. Does it process. say what you were wearing? Almost. I come close. Good. I refer okay. to myself as stinking of booze and cigarettes when the book was published. Well, so. that's, yeah, that's kind of, you're wearing that. Yeah. Uh, th- that's skin tight. Programming note before we move on from this blatant act of self-promotion, but what is this show if not a blatant I act of I was going to say, how right. often do we say our names? That should be the drinking game. How often do Chris and Eric say their names? Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, the book is not yet available on Barnes and Noble, and that is only because the approval process for the Nook takes a lot longer than the approval process for Kindle, and it should go up any day now. The file has been uploaded, the cover has been uploaded. Every everybody, um, what are know. they approving? Exactly? I don't know. What I don't think <laughs> is they don't like your books. Like, yeah, this sucks. We're not putting it now. I don't think they have six hundred people in India overnight monitoring every file that gets uploaded, like Amazon might have. I, see. I don't know. I'm just going out on a limb with that one. Uh, so it should be up. And uh, we had a question from a listener about Kobo in Canada. I believe it will be available on Kobo in a few days. It's also available on Smashwords which will make it available on iTunes. And I'm sick of talking about this, but it's on Amazon. And I think uh, Shea Butters will be putting up a link on our Facebook page currently. Ah, Shay, thanks so much. Absolutely. Eric, what do you have to talk about this week? Do you have, do you have some thoughts for us? <laughs> and Christopher ambushes me with that weird thing that he likes to do. I love the joke. The nature of this joke that I ambush you implies that there is ever a moment in your life where you don't have five things you'd like to say. But it's the nature of the question, do you have any thoughts? If you don't have any thoughts, then it makes you sound like a penhead. <laughs> Uh, no, Christopher, I didn't actually have any thoughts at all. I was just sitting here thinking about what I was going to have for dinner. Well, that is my way of finding out whether or not you're paying attention to me. Aww. Nobody ever pays attention that's to me. That's really, that's one of the huge problems in yeah, in having a radio show. <laughs> right, absolutely. Well, we have actually, a lot. Actually, it potentially could be a huge problem if, if nobody, nobody was listening. The radio show that nobody listened to. Right, and we're hoping that it's coming to you uh, today because we've had an exciting time here in the studio. As well, so. we really have. We really actually, have. Brandon, wonderful Brandon and Brad have had the exciting time. Christopher and I really just sit in here and drink tea and talk about stuff. And at some point, they flip on the microphones. So and at some point, us. they come in and say everything's been fixed. You know, right? Um, there are many things about us that can't be fixed. There is much about this situation with a certain chef that can't be fixed. We have a request from oh, a loyal listener, God. Talitha Wagoner. Talitha, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly, would like us not to discuss Paula Dean. <laughs> I don't think there's any really asking that, Talitha, but we certainly understand the sentiment. Yeah. I had a brief conversation with my mother about it on the phone earlier today. She is of a certain mind about the issue. I am of a certain mind about the issue. But I think uh, what... I think she just wouldn't listen to her handlers. I, I think agree. that's the problem. Like I don't think any lawyer in the world told her to say, "Of course." <laughs> In a legal deposition, I just think that may be the stupidest, most boneheaded thing I've ever seen. Right, and talk about. I'm going to prompt you now that you you flipped back to me right as I was taking a sip of tea. Um, the Mitt Romney effect that you described. Right. I mean, that was what Chris, Christopher said was going on during the Romney campaign where we oh, were all standing I, was, on the sidelines going, going like, oh my God, yeah. what the hell are they up to? They were just rich and powerful and not used to having anybody tell them what to do. You reach a certain point in your life where you can't be told what to do. Right. And so you, you know, produce... Braveheart, which is five and a half hours long, and the principal character oh, doesn't now we come on the screen my mother until off. 45 <laughs> minutes into the movie. Like, 
I think there's a lot of really, I think there's a good movie in there. And with an editor, you might be able to find it. You're of the opinion there were several good movies. Yes. In there. Some of them were bad movies. They were just all playing at the well, same listen, time. Listen, thank you for Because nobody could tell him no. Thank you for pointing out that that Mitt Romney thing was actually my idea. I forgot that I said that during the campaign. But I said, yeah, this that nobody can tell this rich guy what to do. He's and not so, staying on message. And, and so not, he would just talk yeah. about whatever he wanted to do. And she would just say whatever she felt like saying. And then people would all be furious. And they would be astonished. Like, right. Well, nobody at the country club ever gets upset when I say that. Right. And it's like, well, we're not at the country club now, hon. Well, we uh, we have, I think, as entertainment industry professionals, <laughs> uh, otherwise known as gay dudes who live in L.A. <laughs> and like to talk about movies. And like to talk about movies and attend movies often. Oh, my God, which we did go see Man of Steel this week, and it's so oh, great. It is pretty good, yeah. It's so great. I know Superman purists yeah. don't agree because it's not Superman-like traditionally, but I think Superman-like traditionally hasn't worked at the movies for a really long time, maybe ever. Yeah. And this was so hot. It was It was really hot. Anyway, but... I interrupted you. No, it's fine. And I Henry Cavill moment. I went to see World War Z last night without you, but I went with two other friends. Because it has zombies in it, and... You're you know, what are you going to do? Just not a zombie guy. And it is the Love Brad Pitt, though. And it's the first time- I was a, torn. It's the first time in a long time that I have screamed and kicked my legs up at a movie in the same moment. Literally, my two friends, I was sitting in between them, all three of us screamed and threw our legs into the air at the same moment. It, it was like, it, it is a terrifying movie. It was so suspenseful and great. Well, listen, we're going to be back very shortly with Karen Oakham, award-winning journalist. And then a little later on, our good friend Chaz Bono will join Absolutely. us. Absolutely. We've been talking about Chaz's appearance all week. But for now, we have a special report from our fairly imbalanced newsman, Breck Artery. Hello, Breck. We take you to Breck Artery live from the Supreme Court in our nation's capital. Breck? This is Breck Artery, live from the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C., where inside the fates of billions of Americans are being decided as we pretend, as a nation, that whether or not all Americans are entitled to the same rights is actually a question that needs deciding. Outside the court, the debate still rages between two relatively small groups. The larger of the two groups, the 30 million or so gay Americans who, for the most part, are on the side of being accorded the unalienable rights that they were promised by the Constitution. And a smaller, splinter group of non-gay people who think that who other people marry or sleep with is actually any of their business. And then, of course, there's the really large group of Americans who couldn't care less and don't know what all the fuss is about because it doesn't affect them, so let the gays get married and stop bugging me about it because what do I care anyway? Their spokesman would say if they felt like getting one, which they don't because they really couldn't be bothered. But rather than focusing on the majority of Americans or even the gay Americans whose business this actually is, the media continues to focus on the wingnut, alleged, Christian, lunatic, closet case, anti-American, anti-freedom, anti-constitution jerks who have convinced themselves somehow that the government of the most powerful country in the history of the world should be bent and deformed so that their bigotry won't be offended and they can be comfortable. These penheads have managed to convince the soulless anarchist media who masquerade as conservatives while doing everything in their power to subvert America in their single-minded pursuit of personal wealth, who, in the blind pursuit of ratings, continue to give airtime to said penheads. As a result, we have wound up with a situation where people with no skin in this game whatsoever are actually being dialed in on a discussion that has nothing to do with them. Their choice. 
In short, if you're gay, then your opinion on whether or not the Supreme Court is willing to acknowledge that all Americans are entitled to equal rights actually matters. But if you just hate gay people because you're afraid to be one yourself, then you should see a therapist and leave the rest of us out of it. Because, let's be clear, haters, the only people spending the kind of time you're spending thinking about gay sex are gay people. Join the parade or stay home, but perhaps you should stop raining on everyone else's. Until next time, this is Breck Artery wishing you equal rights, good night, and good dinner. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The Dinner Party Show will be the judge of that. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Christopher is enjoying his control issues. I like Today, to control the show. go of his control. Uh, I li- I, yeah, I'm not. Brandon is controlling the whole show from the booth this week. And Christopher usually controls a lot of the show from in here. And it's starting. You can see it. It's really interesting. Happening for Christopher it's really interesting. I'm learning that radio is not about pressing a bunch of buttons. It's actually about, you know, going wherever Eric Shaw Quinn takes you in That's the course right. of his segment. Yeah. And you'll be able to see it because we're filming it live now Absolutely. on YouTube. So later you can watch this on YouTube. But meanwhile, we meanwhile, have a guest in the studio. Karen Oakum, welcome Yay. to the Dinner Party Show. Thank you so much. Effect here. And, welcome. and please accept my apologies for dressing down. I didn't realize I was supposed to dress Ooh, you up. You didn't realize because somebody, no. me, didn't tell you. Okay. I'd just like to say nobody is supposed to dress up. This is a dinner party where we want everybody to be comfortable. We do this because we're the hosts, but we want our guests but to be. But I've so been to your dinner parties and it's dress up. <laughs> <laughs> and I was not told by but, you know, next time, I hope if there is a next time, uh, I, I hope will there are look lots well, that in mind. We hope that, yes, you will come back many times Thank and you. deliver the Karen Oakham report for our <laughs> listeners. Well, today, we really wanted to get your expertise. Like, we wanted to have you on the show for a while, but this is a particularly good first visit because you actually have some insight. This is going to be a big announcement week at the Supreme Court for a lot of us, certainly for me. Um, with the new the ruling on DOMA and the ruling on Proposition 8. And there are a lot of other rulings coming up, too. But those are the two biggies. And I wanted to just sort of get your thoughts, because this is something that you really, you're on SCOTUS watch. Well, I am. A lot of other people are as well. And let me give a couple of caveats just at the start. I'm a reporter, not a lawyer. So, you know, that's a major mm-hmm. caveat right there. Second caveat is that nobody knows, including Pete Williams, at, right. you know, who covers the uh, Supreme Court and legal issues for NBC News. Nobody knows what the Supreme Court, when they're going to rule or how they're going to rule. It's a big guessing game. So that's what I'm about to venture into. Is well, let's a guessing. start with when. When do we think okay. they're going to hear? So, so they generally uh, issue rulings uh, on Mondays. Um, so tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning, uh, tomorrow morning at seven o'clock our time would be the time when they would uh, and nobody else know any of these people who are mm. connected with the cases. They don't get advance warning so they can go alert, alert, mm-hmm. you know, our case is up, you know, right. today. Uh, that's why you see the uh, the the uh, plaintiffs in the Prop 8 case uh 
poor Paul Katami and Jeff Zarillo and Chris Perry and Mm -hmm. Sandy Steyer, uh, you know, have to fly from California every time there's a potential ruling. They have to fly to D.C., (laughs) you know, to await the ruling. Have to buy a condo. fly, Fly back. Um, <laughs> okay, I missed that. <laughs> so they can just stay there, right? Oh, a condo. I th- uh, I heard condom. And Karen, I, I you have know. such a filthy well, mind. Well, but that's because of you screaming and throwing your legs up in the air. I tell you. Christopher Starkey with his movie you know, review. My World War Z reactions <laughs> yeah. with my friends. I, that's yes. how we review movies I, in West I, Hollywood. Five yes. legs in the air. Four yes. legs in the air. Yeah. It sort of threw me off there for a second. Well, we're, we're very glad that you were the first guest to actually listen to the show while you're in the waiting room. We will try to reference stuff that's been on the show with our guests, and they're like, what? what? Oh, yeah, we were, we were talking. Oh, we, of course I listened yeah. to the show. Well, thank you. Okay, so saying saying those two things, we don't know when they're going to rule or how they're going to rule. The most likely scenarios right now, or it could be tomorrow morning, Monday morning, 7 o'clock our time, or Thursday, June 27th, again, 7 o'clock uh, our time. However, because they're apparently still tweaking the rulings and, you know, the language of the decisions, they may add extra dates, according to SCOTUS blog and Pete Williams and a couple of other. Yeah, I you heard know, that. Yeah, now, let me stop you for a minute. It could even go into July. Let me stop you for a minute. Do we know they are tweaking the language of the rulings on Prop 8 and DOMA, or is it a general language tweaking that's happening to all of the remaining rulings? That is a paraphrasing of what Pete Williams okay. said they were doing to the rulings that are still left. Okay. There are a lot of them, yes. right? Yeah. There are like 11 well, rulings still left yes, to announce? Yes, that's, that's right. And four of them are of major import, I think, to us. There's the Defense of Marriage Act, right. which is DOMA. Right. There's Prop 8. There are also two rulings I want to draw your attention to, which is a, a ruling on affirmative action right. and a ruling on the Voting Rights Act. Huge. Which oh, yes. Incredibly huge. So let me uh, just sort of pace through some of these, just in case your 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 listeners don't uh, aren't aware of them. Um, the Defense of Marriage Act that's based on a on a lawsuit brought by a woman named Edie Windsor, who's like in her eighties. Right, and bless the, her heart. Oh yeah. And so, what the deal is with that is that she and her partner. Uh, Thea Speyer were married, were together for 40 years, got married in Canada in 2007. When Thea died, Edie had to pay, oh, and and New York State recognized their marriage, right? Mm. When Edie died, I'm sorry, when Thea died, Edie had to pay almost $400,000 in federal estate taxes, which she would not have had to pay if she was married to a man. So So for those of you who think it's that... (laughs) <laughs> that there's that no the d- partner thing is the same thing as marriage. There's a $400,000 example right there. Right. It's not the same thing. Right, exactly. So she and, and the Gay and Lesbian Advocate and Defenders, uh, which is a, a nonprofit legal, LGBT legal organization in Massachusetts, brought a lawsuit. Uh, a lot of people have filed amicus briefs in it. Um, since President Obama and Attorney General uh, Eric Holder 
say that they think that DOMA is unconstitutional. They refuse to defend DOMA in federal court. Well, now, that can, can that affect the ruling? Yes, and that's a big deal because what wound up happening in order to have somebody say, no, DOMA is constitutional, no, we support DOMA, we, uh, John Boehner, who is the Speaker of the House of Representatives, hired a lawyer and spent like a million plus dollars of taxpayer money Christ. in order to have this legal group that basically comes out of the House of Representatives. Okay. Well, that seems like standing, right? That's an issue of standing. And if the Supreme Court decides that, the you know, that this group, it's called Blag, but it's a long story. But if, <laughs> Blag. <laughs> but, you know, if, if the Supreme Court decides that, you know, they don't have standing, then they can overturn DOMA based on that. Or they can, and it's not the same as saying that, that marriage, um, that the inequality of marriage is con- is a constitutional issue. They can just dismiss it on the, those grounds. Do you think they're likely to? That's such a chicken shit way to right. rule. What what they may what the consideration is now is that they may overturn just this section three of DOMA, mm-hmm. and that would apply to Edie Windsor specifically okay. and states where marriage is gotcha. legal. Gotcha. That, of course, raises a whole lot of other right. questions. Which we will talk about in our next segment because okay. we're going to take a short break here. Control Issues Chris is back on the case. But uh, <laughs> we're here with award-winning journalist Karen Oakham here on The Dinner Party Show. And now we're going to break for a word from one of our sponsors. And then we'll have a report from Tuan, Queen of the Stars. And then we will be back. And then back. more Karen with the Kraken <laughs> Report. And we'll be uh, addressing some of your comments, which have been lighting up our uh, Facebook page from Excellent. our party people. Things to say to the important people in your life that you'd rather no one knew about, particularly them. Do you think most greeting cards are too overblown, too syrupy, or too hip? Does the idea of a blank card that you'd have to do something more than sign strike terror into your heart? Well, the new Wasp greeting cards were made with you in mind. Dad, you seemed nice that time I met you. Thanks for all the checks over the years. Happy Father's Day. If you're a white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, or just someone who'd rather be stabbed in the eye than tell people how you really feel, have we got cards for you. Congratulations on not being dead again this year. Happy birthday, Grandma. For too long, the wildly extravagant sentiments of Hallmark American greeting cards have forced us to claim emotions we don't want to feel. Death. What are you going to do, right? More pie? Sorry for your recent bereavement. But the tyranny of the Peanuts characters, Maxine and those cards with the flowers and glitter on them has come to an end. Mom, I understand pregnancy is really painful. Kudos and Happy Mother's Day. That's right. Now there are cards that capture everything you're not feeling and less. Every year at this time, it's the same. Happy anniversary. Again. Mark the occasion without making a mess. Choose Wasp. 
cards for people who don't feel like you. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Soup's on. And now it's time for astrological advice from Twan, Queen of the Stars. Hi, Twan, Queen of the Stars here with the real dirt on what the constellations are up to and how you can read the signs before they read you. Look here, Gemini, it's okay to glance back, but it's rude to stare. With the sun in cancer all this week, it's out with the new and in with the old. You might find yourself nostalgic for memories of the past or more interested in the people who are already in your life than in meeting new ones. Except maybe for that slut, Libra. If she can remember what happened, she'd probably rather not. God knows the rest of us are trying hard enough to forget that little scene at Brock and Bastion's After Pride, After After Party, Save the Hot Kids fundraiser. For those of us whose pasts aren't fueled by the centrifugal forces of life on a shame spiral, be careful of staring into the past or the sun. What the summer sun really has us longing for is security. The fixed nature of the past creates the illusion of safety, but the past was every bit as terrifying back when it was the future as the future seems right now. Better to fill your summer making good memories for the sun's next transit through cancer. Unless you're that tramp Libra, in which case the past and the future are all pretty much going to look the same. Only the shocked faces will change. For the rest of us, the summer and our futures can still have the power to surprise us. So let's enjoy them Libra free. Till next time, this is Twan reminding you to watch out for the stars. listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Soup, brought to you by your perpetually victimized gay brother. I will have you know that I am writing a play about all of you. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. I feel for that gay brother. I, I feel I was him at some point in time. Mm, and he sounds like he sounds a bit like he you. Sounds familiar. You really of, yeah, kind of familiar. Well, we're back with we're, our fabulous guest, Karen, Karen Oakum, and she's brought so much for us to talk about. We're not. We want to cut the usual bullshit <laughs> and get right back to the story. In our last live segment, you were wrapping up uh, a sort Doma. of a grounding of the of Doma and the Supreme Court rulings that could come down this week, maybe this week. And locally, we have the Proposition Eight ruling that's going to mean a lot or could mean a lot like it's the same thing with the standing right well it's yes standing is is also an issue and there what part of the situation is is that as you remember we had marriage rights in california for a minute for a couple Mm -hmm. of months and then the voters took them away on november 2008 because that's how it works in america you can just vote other people's civil rights away fundamental constitutional rights Mm -hmm. as you know as as Greg pointed out like is this really a question well you know putting our rights up to a vote Mm -hmm. is a question right um But it's not the question in this particular case because taking away uh, the voting rights, uh, I mean, taking away our marriage rights is, but it's along the lines of uh, whether or not the uh, ruling is going to apply only to these two couples, uh, Mm. uh, Jeff uh, Zarillo and Paul Katami and Sandy Steyer and Chris Perry. So not even all of California, just those two people. Wow, or four people. That's one thing. That's two couples 
that's one of the things that a number wow. of people are concerned about. Okay. Uh, more likely, it would uh, dismiss, as you were saying, for standing. Again, we have this situation where the governor of California <clears throat> and the attorney general, Jerry Brown, in both cases when it first started out, Jerry Brown was the attorney general. Right. And governor, Republican Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger refused— Also a chicken shit. Well— a chicken shit for refusing to sign two marriage right. bills. Right. Yes. You could have just made it a law. Yes, that, we went through that. But anyway, eventually he did oppose Prop 8 and he refused to defend it in court. And then Jerry Brown, as attorney general, said it's unconstitutional. He stayed with that as governor. And uh, Kamala Harris, as an attorney general, also refused to defend it. So that meant... Who are you going to have to speak up on behalf of Prop right. in court? And the district— Because <laughs> who wants to speak up for that? It's hideous. Well, the people who passed the initiative, right. and there were a lot also of them hideous. in 2008. So uh, the district court judge, Von Walker— uh, agreed to allow the proponents of Prop 8 to defend Prop 8 in district court. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, the district court ruled that the uh, that Prop 8 was unconstitutional. It was challenged. It went to the Court of Appeal. Again, the question of standing came up. Right. And again, they said, okay, we're going to let these guys, the proponents of Prop 8, defend uh, <clears throat> Prop 8 in, in this setting as well. The California Supreme Court is going, maybe not so much, mm. to have these proponents mean, of Prop 8 defend Prop 8. You mean the U.S. Supreme Court? That's right. Uh-huh. And so they could just dismiss the whole case. Which would which would vacate the law, but it wouldn't make any difference outside of California, right? Well, it would, it would yes, it would apply to the Ninth Circuit, and the Ninth Circuit covers a number of states. It would apply to California oh. and the states that the Ninth Circuit oh. owns. So it would vacate the law in all of those states? It would, yes. Well, but it would it would vacate the it would the law doesn't over, exist in all of those states. No, it would right? overturn but the, but the standing law, would be in but, all of those states, right? If if others if other you know states came up with uh, well and and uh, Washington and Oregon have this uh, similar situation, but standing is the big question. Are they going to dismiss the case? Uh, because of lack of standing of the Prop 8 proponents before the Supreme Court, are they going or are they going to say, we shouldn't have accepted this case in the first place and just dismiss mm. it outright? Which if they would accept also, the standing, though, would that mean that we really that it was the big kahuna, that it really would for the whole United States change the issue? That's ruling on the merits. Right. Uh, if they ruled the, on the merits instead of the standing, if they said, OK, we accept like the other courts have, we accept this standing. We're going to rule on the merits of the case. And no, you can't do this. Would that mean that? Everyone in all gay people in America, well, that American citizens would have the right to get married. Well, that's what Ted Olson and Dave, David Boyce, who, you know, are on behalf of the American Foundation right. for Equal Rights. And by the way, we should tell everybody you can go to www.afer.org. That's the American Foundation yes. for Equal Rights. Mm-hmm. That's the group that brought the challenge, the federal challenge, uh, constitutional challenge in the first place. And they have all the lawsuits, 
all the information, Excellent. all the the uh, video and the um, transcripts of what happened in the trials. Mm-hmm. So if you want more information, that's the place to go. Thank heavens that they did that because then we have the historical archive Absolutely. for that. And then tomorrow morning at 10 but Eastern, let, let 7 just, Pacific, we go to scotusblog.org. Is that the best place to go for the rulings? Yes, scotusblog.org. And that's S. That's S-C-O-T-U-S-B-L-O-G dot O-R-G. Right, Supreme SCOTUS. Court of the United States. That's, okay. That's right. But just to finish up on this, because it's very important, people do not expect, the people I've been reading about and reporting on, do not expect this to be a an overall ruling that, you know, on marriage equality. Right. They think it's going to be a narrower ruling mm-hmm. just confined to California. Or the Ninth Circuit. Uh, well, that's that's right. But confined in California and then whether the Ninth Circuit, uh, they have to issue yeah, mm-hmm. their, right. uh, you know, what. Oh, will they have to issue another well, ruling? No, then they over? have to say, then they have to say, OK, at this point, you can get married. Mm-hmm. Now, what your listeners in California should know also, well, around the country, perhaps, is that there will be um, demonstrations pro or con in Los Angeles, it will be right. 530 in West Hollywood, okay. uh, San Vicente, right. and, and um, Santa Monica. Santa Monica, Bullock, great. And I'm sure there are corner. other demonstrations and protests planned around the country. Right. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back with Karen Oakham. We have more stories to discuss beyond the Supreme Court, even though we could do a whole show on the Supreme Court. We want to talk about the big upset at the Service Members Legal Defense Network this week, and we also want to talk about the Exodus closing, exodus, which exodus, we addressed exodus. at the top of the show. But for now, if you're a regular listener to the Dinner Party Show, this is a great time to go to the bathroom. Or an because, irregular listener. Yes. <laughs> because we're all pretty irregular. Absolutely. We're going to do our technical promo, and then we will be back with Karen Oakham. Oh, and Eric is still here, too, I take it. <laughs> That's nice. That's Asking nice. very good questions. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. We've made every effort to make sure you can access our show for free across a variety of platforms. We debut a live show every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the player at our website, www.thedinnerpartyshow.com. This same stream can be accessed via our free mobile apps for Apple and Android devices, so you don't have to be in front of your computer to join the party. We're on for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's right. If you miss the live show, we replay it continuously throughout the week until a new show debuts the following Sunday at the same time. Our free mobile apps keep you connected to these Encore presentations as well. We interact with our live listeners through our Facebook page, so if you'd like to ask a question of a guest or have us respond to your comment, make sure you've liked the page for The Dinner Party Show on Facebook. Our SoundCloud profile is where we feature reports from our special correspondents. You can access all of our social media platforms by visiting the links at the top left-hand side of our website, thedinnerpartyshow.com. They're located right next to the player. YouTube is where we post backstage video, and Twitter is where we spotlight quotes from the show and breaking Dinner Party Show news, including announcements about upcoming guests and special episodes. For our podcast listeners, a complete unedited podcast of the entire show posts to iTunes the day after the episode debuts. We also have a show archive on our website, which allows you to stream or download complete episodes. Our production quality is high, and so, rather than compressing the sound file and sacrificing quality for our non-live 
listeners, we break our podcasts into four bite-sized servings. For our iTunes subscribers, if you'd like to have entire episodes downloaded automatically, make sure you've checked the setting, Get All Episodes. Otherwise, only the first serving will download automatically. At the risk of turning our entire show into a series of technical announcements, we're going to shut up now and get back to the live cast already in progress. I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And I'm Christopher Rice, and we've taken away all your technical excuses not to listen to the dinner party show. Now it's time for Eric's rash pronouncement of the week. The reason we send kids to school is because they're morons. This has been Eric's rash pronouncement of the week. Welcome back to the dinner party show where we're all recovering from Eric's rash pronouncement of the week. Just so that you know at home, all of the rash pronouncements on the dinner party show are things that I did actually say at some point. Uh, Not in a deposition. Okay. I I just need to make an announcement and I I party people on our page, including my mother. I love all of you and we're not talking about Paula Dean anymore. We're talking about very significant gay rights news stories which are of deep, deep personal importance to all of us. We can talk about Paula Dean at a later date. But for now, we have Karen Oakham in the studio with us, and we want to talk about this story because I don't know if we'd call it a personal connection, but uh, you have some history with this organization. Exodus, which was considered by many to be a leading beacon of the ex-gay movement, has shut its doors after 37 years. And you went undercover in an ex-gay clinic for a piece that you wrote for Genre Magazine. Yes, uh, what was it? Talk to us day. about that. And, and we can review the facts of the story as we go along, but we want to hear about your experience. Well, one of the things that uh, has happened in, in reporting on these uh, so-called ex-gay therapy. And, As if. Yeah, and, you know, the very fact that it was called therapy is mm-hmm. what gave it so, so much validity. Offensive. Yes, and that's why people believed that it was, this cure was possible. Like so, we were sick. Well, exactly. I, that's sorry, what, I'll let you talk. Reparative. Just makes me furious. Yeah, repair, Just makes me so Repair angry. what, you know? Okay, so a number of reporters had, uh, this is like in the early 90s, and I was writing for Kevin Koffler as Genre Magazine mm-hmm. at the time. And previous reporters had gone undercover or had done, you know, substantial work on the emerging ex-gay ministries as part of the Christian movement that came out of, you know, Jerry Falwell and Anita Bryant wow. and, you know, built <laughs> up under Ronald Reagan and then Pat Robertson and uh, the whole Christian coalition religious right movement. So I took a different tactic. Um, I, because I too had in my personal life, you know, uh, thought that being gay was wrong and hmm. evil. Mm. Is what I finally determined. Well, with all it to of that be. information in childhood, mm. who might that's the damage that people like that do is well, that kids that's hear right. it and they think maybe there is something wrong and with them. And the irony is is that, you know, I'm a leftover hippie. I mean, th- these were the sex, drugs, and rock and roll days. And right. I participated in all of that. Mm-hmm. But still being gay was wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. I yeah, even with all that acceptance and free that's, love, that's, except that's exactly yeah. right. It was 
called it was experimentation, etc. So what I discussed with Kevin was this concept of going undercover to try to get changed, authentically try to get changed, which no other reporter had done. So I built myself a whole background history. I went to, I'm in a 12-step program, and I went to my 12-step friends and just said, Look, I'm, you know, I'm intending to do this, but I need a lifeline because if it works, somebody needs to pull me out. So did it work? No. No, (laughs) no, it didn't work. But here's what happened. I went to a a three-day conference. It was Desert Stream Ministries. And there was this cult leader type called, uh, his name was Andrew Kaminsky. Mm -hmm. And... What it was really about is that they put homosexuality in the same context of sex addiction. Right. right. I've always suspected this. This has always been my suspicion and that a lot of the people who gravitate towards these programs were untreated sexual compulsives who equated gay desire with sexual compulsivity. Right. Yeah. That's that's a, a lot of how they frame it. Right. I met a lot of people who were very sincere Christians, et cetera. I okay, mean, you know, right. they weren't the rabid anti-gays who, you know, make so much money off of all of this. Ugh. They they came from this very scary sort of soulful place of if I'm going to get to heaven, I need to help I have save to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, not only repent yeah, themselves, but save them. Who believes I'm going to but hell. the hitch on all of this was that in the process of surrendering myself to to this process i went up to the front when they called me forward you know to to have the blessing and mm. lay the hands on and all this kind of stuff and my body went through a catharsis i started trembling and shaking and crying while my mind is going what the hell is going on I literally, and I knew, I mean, mentally I knew what I was there for and what I was doing. That you were doing a story. But emotionally and physically, I was having this whole other reaction. Well, because you are a gay person. How could you not have an enormous reaction to this situation? But it wasn't that. It was was almost like that Christian fervor that they were whipping up. It was like a mind-body split. The therapy had a physical effect, and I'm using therapy in air quotes, of course, but there was a physical effect to the treatment that they implemented. And that's why I think so many other people who don't don't think you know right. i know what's going on and i'm you know this is crazy and all the they say i'm having this experience ergo sure. this must right. be right Absolutely. ergo this must be god right working his absolutely his way. so exodus is going to close after it has closed after 37 years and Hooray. prior to this the president of the group alan chambers issued a series of statements that were sort of demonstrating his lack of belief in the cause right the year earlier last year he said he didn't believe in repair of therapy well, which kind of undercuts their mission statement. Right, and then he apologized, and then they closed down, but there's still going to be a Christian support group. Right. You know, for people like him and other people who are uh, supposedly uncomfortable with being gay. Right, absolutely. So there's another big story that we want to cover in the time that we have left, which is that there's been a huge shakeup at the service members' legal defense network. I'm just hearing about that. And what happened? This is uh, later in the program, we'll have our interview with Chaz Bono. 
uh, who's probably one of the most visible transgender men in the world right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, The executive director of Service Members Legal Defense Network was the only a trans person who was the head of a non-trans focused LGBT activist group on so a national is, level, right? So this is, but this is a fast and furious story that's hard to follow currently because there's so many updates. But fill us in on what's going on. Well, and and I'm glad you put it that way because we really do need to find out more details about what happened before anybody sort of makes any sort of judgments. But essentially what happened is that it looks like there was a coup, frankly, Right. that some people on the board, a small minority of people on the board, were looking for something to force Allison Robinson, who was this, you know, service member uh, herself, a transgender service member, incredibly well-respected. And they found this one thing, a dispute over a a financial report about their line of credit and used that to to hastily call this board. Well, the board meeting was already called, but not everybody on the board was on the call and especially Allison supporters. So there's Uh this. Yeah. And and so there was a vote. Mm. Uh, that said that uh, Allison should be fired yeah. for not reporting right. out this thing, which God. she apparently had done. Yeah. You know, correctly. So there's been there, there's been mass resignations from board That's members. Right. Like there's board a new board member resignation st- and announced. And senior staff. And senior staff. And so we'll follow the story closely. It was broken by the Bolerico Project, which is a very popular, which you, you wrote for for yes, uh-huh. many years. The yes, Bolerico Project. Still do. Yeah. So we'll we'll have updates on this. This is important because this is one of the leading organizations that was instrumental in the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And DOD Pride is coming up with the Secretary of Defense. Okay, excellent. Karen Oakham, we're wow, going to have you... Wow, how cool is that? Well, how cool is that? But minus, you know, the yeah, executive right. director of this, this weak organization. we got to have Karen on for longer next time. There's just too much to talk about. <laughs> thank Karen, you, thank, thank, you, thank you for you. joining us. We hope you'll come back and thank be a regular contributor. You have your cookies from Eric Shaw Quinn and your finger sandwiches. And, and our uh, thanks for being here. And so glad thank, you enjoyed thank yourself. Thank you very Absolutely. much for And party people, stay tuned because coming up next is our interview with Chaz Bono. It's time once again for the Dinner Party Show's Homemade Relationship Advice with Jonelle Sams. Hey, this is Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have a relationship question, you can send it to me care of the Dinner Party Show's Facebook fan page or at Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Did you ever see a dress you thought was perfect for you in the window at Darnell's House of Fashion or wherever the smartest shop is in your local mall? You try it on, you look great in all the glamorous fluorescent lighting they have in those fancy kinds of places, but once you get to a circle meeting or potluck or at Fellowship Hall or see yourself reflected in the sneeze guard at Sunday Buffet at Long Wang's, well, the thrill is gone. Sometimes, despite how good things look in the winter, the way they look at the bowling league night banquet is a whole nother story, as this week's listener found out. She writes, Dear Jonelle, she seemed like a lovely girl. We hit it off that first night. She came home with me from the palms, and she just never left. At first, I loved her carefree ways, her passionate lovemaking, her deep conversation, and her love of comfort food. But before too long, I began to suspect that something was wrong. 
One minute, she'd be all excited about something, and the next, I couldn't get her off the couch. She'd be all worked up and holding forth on some topic or other, and then forget what she was talking about in the middle of a sentence. Worse yet, I just couldn't count on her. She'd say she was going to be somewhere or do something, and then she'd forget or fall asleep unexpectedly. Jonelle, I feared the worst. Early onset Alzheimer's, those little mini strokes, or a brain tumor. We've been more or less living together for nearly six months, but I didn't really know her all that well, so I hesitated to say anything, but I cared enough to worry what to do. Now, she's a smoker, not my first choice, but she's considerate about it. She always goes outside to smoke, and since I don't partake, I never joined her. Then one night, I came home a bit early, and she was out on the balcony, and Jonelle, the smell. Let's just say it was not tobacco. It explained a lot, but it raised a whole new set of questions. I know that attitudes are changing, but whether or not I'm there yet, do I really want to date someone who's into being out of it? She's great, but what are my long-term prospects with someone with no short-term memory? Jonelle, I need your help. Signed, Smokescreen. Well, Smokey, first let me say congratulations on getting her to smoke outside, whatever she's smoking. There is nothing that spoils good taxidermy faster than stinky fur or feathers. I mean, it's not like a slipcover you can just unzip and toss in the washer, though now I mention it, maybe I should look into that. Meanwhile, back at your house, Smokey, I think you've got a case of what I like to call barroom remorse. I know it's all well and good to be modern and just bring someone home on approval, but honestly, it is much harder to get someone to leave your house than it is to get them over there in the first place. My husband Merle and I have been married for 23 blissful years, but that's because we dated for seven wonderful years before we ever even talked about moving in together, let alone getting married, and then we tried being engaged for another six. I know that may seem slow and maybe even old-fashioned, but husbands, wives, and live-ins are not as easy to return as a dress that makes your backside look like someone threw a flowered tablecloth over a Fiat 500. Whether or not you stay with your adult friend, and to be honest, if what she's smoking is even important enough to call that question, I think you have your answer, Smokey. But, stay or go, what I think you really need to get rid of is the idea of making the decisions of a lifetime in a condition that might get you arrested for driving yourself home. If your judgment is too impaired to be sure about stop signs, are you really in a good position to be sure about the signs of love? Better to spend a night alone than six months wondering how to get the smell of smoke out of your best taxidermy or your life. Till next time, I'm Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have relationship questions, write to Jonelle Care of The Dinner Party Show Facebook page or to jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. In case you're wondering about the taxidermy with slipcovers, stay tuned. I can't wait to get started. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The dish is served. And now the Dinner Party Show presents your local news brought to you by The Truth. Good evening, I'm John Stencil, and that weird story last week about me getting rough with my ex-girlfriend had more truth to it than I care to admit. 
I'm Chet Pastry, and I just spent a half hour in the bathroom with the new intern and some cocaine. And tonight, while the world debates serious national security concerns and its financial systems await any serious or meaningful reform, we bring you a random act of violence in a local neighborhood. We'll be presenting it as if it's evidence of an epidemic that might threaten you or your children, when really it's just the work of one complete lunatic who was probably failed by a mental health system you don't want to discuss, fix, or adequately fund. Now we bring you an interview with one of the neighbors of the accused who didn't really know the individual all that well and is now using this incident as an excuse to get on television. Well, I don't know the guy all that well, but he said something shitty to me once about my lawn, so I'm going to pretend like I saw this whole thing coming and nobody listened to me. And I'm going to act all concerned for my fellow neighbors, even though I don't know most of their names or what damn countries they're even from. In other meaningless distractions tonight, residents attended a town hall meeting local politicians held just to give the illusion that they cared what residents thought about a brand new project that's being funded by the large real estate developers who actually control this entire community. The residents, seen here in a series of gratuitous close-ups intended to make them look like angry junkyard dogs, spent the evening shouting speeches that ranged from incoherent to schizophrenic, but all of which shared a common theme, the belief that it was the job of local government officials to soothe their constantly hurt feelings and to remove all fear human beings feel when they realize the outcome of their lives is entirely uncertain and their neighbors are largely motivated by greed and self-interest. Chat? Thanks, John. Kids! did something precious today in a group and we sent a camera crew to capture them doing it. That way we can skirt allegations that the only time we show a picture of a cute kid is when one's been killed in a hit and run. John? And now it's time for the weather report. That thing you can all get on the internet in 15 seconds, but which we bring you courtesy of a hot lady who chose this career path over porn. Poppy? Single man, it's Poppy Vaincock here, and I've had enough white wine spritzers to forget that I wanted to be an actress. Anyway, people a lot smarter than me came up with all the fancy graphics you're seeing behind me right now, so I'm just going to stand here and read off a weather report cobbled together from official weather reports issued by actual meteorologists. Did you guys see me in any Get Your Gun? We did Annie get your gun down at the playhouse here downtown. I guess no one saw it. Okay. <laughs> so here are some actually relevant weather predictions, most of which will be disproven by the time the week's out. Oh, and here's a map of the area in case you moved here like five fucking minutes ago. <laughs> Why anyone would do that, I have no idea. Move here, I mean. I've been trying to get out of this town for years. That's it for me, Poppy Vaincock. And, uh, yeah, the name's totally fake. And, yeah, I just sort of, you know, I'm I'm not sure how much longer I can do any of it. But for now, there's wine until it's all over. Thanks, Poppy. I'm really glad I didn't date you when I had the chance. Dating doesn't happen in the third floor bathroom, Chad. Neither does getting rough with your ex-girlfriend because she rightfully accused you of being a closet case. 
John? Before we end tonight, let's pretend like we're doing something for our nation's youngest veterans. Let's pretend like we've given something besides platitudes since they returned home from one wholly unjustified war and another perpetual and unwinnable one. Here are clips of a ceremony that did nothing to give them job training or create employment opportunities or provide them with essential health care as they struggle with the after-effects of post-traumatic stress disorder. Here... Look, watch, don't you feel better now? No, we don't either. I'm John Stencil. And I'm Chet Pastry. And this has been your local news brought to you by The, the Truth. Truth. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Dish. Brought to you by your mother, Mistress of Guilt. <sighs> That's okay. Go ahead and step on my foot. Why would I need to walk anywhere? I haven't been anyplace nice in years. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And we are joined now by Chaz Bono. Welcome to The Dinner Party Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was really great to see you last night. Thanks. We're, just to sort of clear up, yeah. you've, done, you've done us a favor and come by to record because you're actually, as we're doing this, on stage live appearing in 30-minute musical. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell yeah. us about it. It's part of the Hollywood Fringe Festival yeah, here in LA. it's part of the Hollywood Fringe Festival, and it's um, a 30-minute musical production. This is actually my second one with them, and this one is Independence Day. Mm -hmm. um, so funny. And it is. It's a really good show. I play the president in it, and it's just – they're just a great group of people to work with, and it's um, – I don't know. It's a lot of fun. It's kind so of a labor of love. So it's Chaz singing and dancing and doing all the things that you want to see Chaz do, and yeah. it's at the – It's at the Celebration, Celebration Theater. Theater. Um and uh, you can get tickets online and more information at 30mm.co. So, and uh, yes, it's a very CIA uh, web address, as I is. pointed out when Jazz gave it to me. It's like a secret NSA code, the Black Ops <laughs> yeah. theater project. I know. I don't know where the M is at the at the end of the CO, but that's what it is. So. Yeah. So, how did you fall in with this group? Uh, <laughs> with, with a bad crowd of theater types. Uh, a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine from my acting class, her boyfriend was doing, is involved in it. And we went to see, um, they were doing a double feature, uh, I guess it was in the last fall of Top Gun and Showgirls. And what? we, <laughs> wow, yeah, what a combo, what a mashup. Yeah. And we went to see that, and I just thought it was. You know, one of the most brilliant things I'd, I'd ever seen. And uh, afterwards, I talked to the writer and director, uh, Brooke Sanguin, who's just a genius. Right. And uh, I said, if you, you know, the next one you do, if there's any part that I might be appropriate for, please, you know, let me know. And I'd Couldn't love hurt. to audition for it. Right. And oh, so... Uh, Did they write you know, a part for you? 
No, no. I got called in and I did Roadhouse and there was a part and it was pretty easy. And then this one I did have to audition for. Um, really? Well, wow. for this part, yeah, for the for the for the president. I mean, I knew that I, I was going to do it. Big shout out for the crying scene with the the wife's death moment. With I the thought doll. that was. Yeah, I thought you really ca- you <laughs> nailed you. that. Just that for our genius. listeners, you, what you guys do is you take the entire movie and you condense it into a thirty minute musical. And right. the musical it's really about it's about original. forty about forty minutes. Right. But, right. But yeah, yeah. It it's. Um, what she does is really it's it's amazing because and when I saw those first two I was like how do they get really get the whole movie because you don't feel like you know there's anything that's missing no right and they you know they condense it out. into about forty minutes with songs and you know dance numbers and everything um and it's. And it's hysterically all there. funny, and it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so, if you like strippers who like dolphins, right. this is the musical yes. for you. It is because it is. the moments they pick to make musical numbers out of aren't the most obvious of choices. You know, no, <laughs> it, they're not. And it's but then it's just like you look at it and you're like, this is kind of genius. It, it's right. really genius. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it has a life beyond. We were talking about it afterwards. We think they ought to like get a barroom venue or something yeah. and be up all the time. Why wait? No, for a I know. Festival? I mean, I think it. Well, we do. I mean, we. She does them every usually every couple of months. I mean, I did. We did Roadhouse in March and, and April, and then now up again with this. So every few months. But yeah, I. You know, we were talking about it yesterday. Like why. Because they're, you know, now starting to do a lot of, you know, films of musicals. And, you know, I think this company is just incredibly talented and um, it's a great team. And it's like, why aren't we well, on the road? Why aren't idea. we doing this? You know, Because yeah. who hasn't seen Independence Day? And right. If you haven't seen Independence Day, see Independence Day. It's kind of a fun movie, but it's a very sort of lighthearted look at really – Social iconography, right? It's like everybody's familiar. Everybody right. knew what what you What's, were what yeah. you were sending up. There was no strangers in the air. I don't get this. Right. Even using turning the 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 Fox Network into the uh, every YouTube uh, yeah. trope that you've ever seen. Yeah. The, right. Yeah. Who's got? We've used those to promote this Absolutely. show. Absolutely. Yeah. Sweet Brown and the mm-hmm. uh, Turtles guy. I yeah, like yeah. Turtles. Yeah. All of was that was all woven into the show. Yeah. It was very funny. Really yeah. brilliant yeah. sort very of funny. pastiche. I really loved it. Oh, yeah. Good. I'm. I'm really glad. So you how guys long is it running? It. Uh, just two weeks. So, so this well, is Sunday. Yeah. So, so just how much longer just, do people have? Uh, they just have uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Sunday. Excellent. So you've got three more shots to see the yeah, show. Yeah, three more shots to and see the show. And it's what's the website again? 30mm.co. Excellent. 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 Well, we'll be back here very shortly with Chaz Bono here on The Dinner Party Show. But for right now, it's time for a short break from one of our sponsors. Are you tired of stories on the nightly news that ask you to examine the consequences of your own behavior? Are you tired of newscasts that focus too much on who isn't paying their fair share of taxes or who needs to recycle more? Do you just have days when you're so exhausted from spending your workday on Facebook that you just can't handle a bunch of good-looking TV people asking you to be a better person than you really are? Isn't it time you got to enjoy and learn from a newscast that focuses entirely on the bad behavior of people who don't look at all like you? 
Well, master, then it's time to call your cable provider and sign up for RNN, the racist news network, bringing you 24-hour reasons to blame your problems on people whose accents you can't understand. Wherever news is happening, we'll be there to catch every racial stereotype before it falls through the cracks. Was a major auto accident in Los Angeles caused by an Asian driver? We'll be there with live team coverage to get reactions from all the bystanders who lost a relative in the Korean War. Did a black man in Philadelphia just buy a watermelon and get defensive about it? We'll be there to interview the white checkout lady he verbally abused. When political elites take a perfectly innocuous use of the N-word out of context, we'll be there to show you the proper use of racial epithets. And in order to ensure fair and balanced coverage, we'll bring you our ongoing series, Profiles in Courage, a salute to mild-mannered members of racial minorities who don't make us uncomfortable. The Racist News Network. Call your cable provider today and keep pressing one for English. All right, so we're back, finally, with Chaz. And, uh, you know, Chaz, I gotta say, you look fantastic. I, Thank I don't you. wanna be rude, but it looks like you might have lost a bit of weight. Yeah. yeah. How much have you lost? It's about 70 pounds now. Yeah, and we have a regular listener, our, one of our party people, as we call them, Samiko Salson, uh, wants to ask you about that with in your process and your journey. She knows that you lost 65 pounds. She put on a lot of weight after she had to have surgery, mm -hmm. and again after she quit smoking. Wow. Oh, such a challenge. She's gained about 50 pounds, and she's trying to take it off, and... Um, she doesn't like how people act towards her now that she's put on the extra weight. So right. she's also on two medications known to cause weight gain. So there's That's a lot hard. of, yeah, she's dealing with a lot, but she would like to know about your experience with losing that amount of weight in such a short time. Right. Um, well, I mean, I did it kind of under a, you know, under doctor supervision. Well, who, I think that's always best. Right. Yeah, who, uh, you know, has a, who's an endocrinologist, but has a subspecialty in this. And, worked with a, a nutritionist and but you know mainly I mean with the doctor was just getting everything balanced in my body kind of for you know optimal weight loss but um, mostly it was just really radically changing the way I ate mm -hmm. and I think that you know I think in the past you know I could lose I'd lose some weight I'd think of it more as a diet. I'd lose some weight. I'd stop. I'd get frustrated or whatever, and then I'd gain it all back. And that was just, you know, I, I felt like, I remember thinking, like, I've lost the same 10 or 15 pounds <laughs> over yes. and over and oh God, over yes. again. And, um, you know, the, I guess the difference this time is that I just made uh, changes that I have stuck to. And uh, I have, you know, given up um, all, you know, wheat and gluten stuff. I mean, oh, that, yeah? yeah. Oh, okay. And sugar. Uh, well, and those are yeah. ones that I but never talk about that. Go back on. As Eric has pointed out to me from his dieting experiences, sugar is in a lot of things you don't know it's in. Absolutely. You, you know, have we to had be... a friend say, "Oh, I just eat grapes," and Eric said, "Grapes are right. loaded with sugar." And so, yeah, even <laughs> right. with it's fruit, and I do eat fruit, but I try to stick to um, 
you know, fruits that are lower in sugar. Yeah. So berries. Berries, absolutely. Berries are really good. Um, apples, uh, citrus fruits, and um, peaches. And those are those are basically the fruits that I kind of stick to. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, like, I always liked a little something sweet at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if I'm craving that now, I just have a piece of fruit, and yeah. that kind of does it. And... Um, and, and a I, lot of it is about changing your relationship to food yeah, itself. Yeah, changing your exactly. Like yeah. um, we eat for a lot of reasons other than because it's time to eat or I'm right. hungry or I need nutrition. And getting those kinds of habits or or changing those changing, kinds of relationships. Yeah. And that yeah, that was that was definitely you know for me it was, um, you know I think it was my last thing. You know I mean I, I I'm you know clean and sober nine years. I congratulations. Thank you. I. Quit smoking, which was my absolutely favorite oh, thing in the world to do four Hardest, years ago. But such a great gift. Yeah. Such yeah. freedom. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think like for me, it was like, well, what what enjoyable thing do I have left? And, you know, for me, it was food. But what's amazing now is I've learned to still enjoy food uh, and I don't have to eat all the crap. You know, you don't have to eat crap yeah. to enjoy food. Right. And, you know, the when you... Stop eating certain things. Your taste buds really change. So I, I pretty much don't eat any grains. You know, every once in a while, I might have a small amount of, you know, like rice with a couple pieces of sushi. But mostly I'll eat sashimi if I'm in those situations. Right. Um, you know, there's like a couple uh, gluten-free crackers. There's one that I'll eat sometimes that has a little brown rice in it, but it also has a bunch of different seeds. Um, but you know, so grains, I realized really weren't my friend. Right. Um, I eat very little dairy. You know, if I'm in a pinch and I want a cup of coffee and they don't have almond milk, I'll do that. But <laughs> other than <laughs> that, like here at the like dinner here. party show, but other than that, um, <laughs> Next time for I don't, sure. I don't eat any dairy except for, uh, I eat goat cheese sometimes. And, and, and according to my nutritionist, there's something about the fat in goat cheese that is much easier for us to digest huh, than huh. in than in cows cows fat you know yeah right. and so i've done that and you know so so far so good well, it so it's so paid it, off it, yeah. you look amazing but it's, i think this it sounds like this is about the quality of what you're eating and not the frequency of when you were eating you didn't just begin to starve yourself no not at all right I, not at all and it's really funny because i mean i'll get people like on you know my Facebook page or Twitter, like, don't starve yourself, you know, talk to me, I can tell you how to lose weight without starving yourself. It's like, right. I'm not, I've never starved myself, I don't believe in that. Um, right. You know, I've always eaten... Well, it doesn't help. No, it doesn't. And I've always, you know, if anything, I have to be really conscious of of eating. Right. Uh, because, you know, I was the kind of person who could, especially in the morning, I kind of have to, you know, force myself to, you know, make a protein shake and get that right. down because... Right. You know, I'm not. I'm not really somewhere. hungry in yeah, the morning. Exactly. So, yeah, well, we'll be back here very shortly with Chaz Bono for the dessert portion of the evening, where but we it'll will be gluten free. It will be gluten free, <laughs> and we'll have gluten free questions from our party people on Facebook. But I think for now, we're going to have a special report from Jordan Ampersand. Well, that'll be special. Where did you guys go this week? <sighs> well, you know, it's summer, so off to the beach. Oh, this should be good. Yeah. 
Hey, hookers, it's me, Amazing Jordan Ampersand, oh. coming to you from Will Ferrell State Beach in beautiful Los Angeles, California. Actually, it's Will Rogers State Beach. Who's that? A celebrity. I'm a celebrity? How come really? I've never heard of him? We all know each other. Is your report about who this beach is named after? Because if it's not, I'd like to move on so we can get out of the sun. I think you're making up this Will Rogers I am person. not. He was famous for playing a cowboy many, many years ago. Now, if we could Like just... a broke-back cowboy or a dead Republican uh, cowboy? Jordan, isn't your report about California beach culture? Well, it was gonna be, but you're not dressed appropriately for the beach, Eric. Quinn, and it's throwing me off my game. What do you mean, I'm not dressed appropriately? I've got on short sandals and a t-shirt. Exactly. I see no evidence of a burnt umber spray tan. You've got no Care Bear stickers on anywhere, and I can't see any of your butt crack. If you don't start your report soon, you're going to see the grill guard of a truck because I'm going to drop kick you into the middle of PCH. Have you ever been to the beach before in your entire yes, long life? Yes, in South Carolina, where you could be murdered for wearing the outfit you just described. Well, how hot are the guys doing the murdering? Always able to see the upside in every situation, aren't you, Jordan? Or should I just say, the face down in the pillow side? Not every hot guy owns pillows, and you really shouldn't judge. Jordan, you're so wrong. It's blowing in my face. Keep it under control, please. It's too big. Fitzpatrick got me the wrong size, and this piping is digging into my shoulders. Also, I don't think it's strong enough to hold up these two asian umbrellas. Do you think I should just hold them in my hand? Personally, I thought the outfit was doomed when you lassoed your new kitten to your back. Don't be mean to my new cat. She loves the beach. Have you named this one yet? Yes, after something beautiful I heard on the radio. Oh, dear. Pernicious anemia. Uh, what? That's a disease, Jordan. My cat is not diseased. No, you named her after one. Whatever. I read this new book that says diseases are all in the mind. So here we are at Will Rogers State here Beach. Here we are at the alleged Will Rogers State <sighs> Beach, where Eric Shaw Quinn is dressed like somebody's dad who's spying on his kids during spring break to make My sure kids. they're not drinking or having fun. And Jordan Ampersand is dressed like a strip of greasy bacon that's run in circles through the lobby of an Ian Schrager Hotel for 20 minutes. Who? Ian Schrager. Jesus. Who are all these people you keep making up? You don't know who Ian Schrager is? God, you're not even a good poser anymore. Well, okay, whatever. Now that the summer months are upon us like a Latin guy who's been drinking vodka and Red Bull all night, it's time to talk beach etiquette 101. No, no. This was supposed to be a report on beach culture, like the story of beaches in Southern California, surf culture, the development of Malibu as a community, not beach etiquette. Nobody goes to you for etiquette tips. That would be like asking Kesha for advice on how to dress. Kesha's my inspiration for this outfit. I know. Look, I know I promised I would do a report about beach cultures, but every now and then it's my job to make sure you guys do something on the show about the stuff people actually care about. And when it's summer, everyone goes to the beach. And so it's important to cover some ground rules about what people should do and should not do when they're here. I sometimes wonder what choices I made in life that have brought me to a place where I am subjected to what you, Jordan Ampersand, consider to be important. Was I a horrible tyrant in another life? No, you're a horrible tyrant in this one. Anyway, yeah. enough of that. Strap yourself in, hookers, because here are Jordan Ampersand's beach etiquette tips for 2013. One, hot guys, 
Stop surfing. Surfing hasn't been cool since 1983, and it keeps you too busy. If I had a nickel for every time a hot surfer ran away to go catch a wave right when I tried to show him my strategically positioned chrome butterfly tattoo, that would be a bunch of nickels. How much is a nickel, anyway? How many of these etiquette tips can we look forward to? I don't know, like 60? What's your rush? You have to go frighten neighborhood school children? I've got one right in front of me. I'm going to bake in a pie if he doesn't speed things Mm -hmm. up. Yeah, whatever. Two, hot guys. Stop playing volleyball. It's violent, and you always have to run off and join another game when I ask you to guess whether I have any piercings you can't see. Okay, so your beach etiquette tips are all directed the straight men who have spent the last few summers of their lives running from your unwanted sexual advances? Nobody is straight at the beach. There's way too much beer. Here's some beach etiquette for you, Jordan Ampersand. One, gay guys, stop pursuing unavailable straight men. It makes you look desperate and second class. Even more desperate and second class than your outfit, which combines a sarong, two geisha girl parasols attached to some plastic piping, draped in white taffeta, and a pink speedo covered in silver glitter. This is glitter? I hate glitter. You should be able to eat it, but you can't. What do you think it was? Sugar crystals. See? It's confusing. Yes, but the way home is straight and clear. Goodbye, Jordan Ampersand. Good luck hailing a cab in that ghetto. They better have convertible cabs or I'll never fit. Oh, shit. Wait. Whoa. The wind caught the tablet, I think. Oh, no. Hold on, pernicious anemia. We'll be okay. No, I'm still moving. Wait, I'm like a sailboat, but I can't stop. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for dessert. Brought to you by your sister's new husband who's had way too much wine. I mean, everybody's cheated at least once, right? I, I, I mean, am I right? The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And it's now time for the dessert portion of the evening, our long, uninterrupted segment with Chaz Bono. (laughs) Chaz Bono is still here with us. Gluten-free. We were talking dieting and uh, diet strategies in the earlier segment. And uh, now we're going to talk about your web presence because it's pretty sizable. You have right, a, really impressive. Yeah, Thank expansive you. website with a form as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a form on it for well, really for anybody. But uh, you know, my my intention in, in starting it really was to have a, a community for trans people or questioning people to be able to go on there and and talk to others and, and get information and, and kind of have a community. So, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I really, I, I just have to sort of take a moment to say, I have been so impressed with your entire, your willingness to be open, your, uh, your willingness to go through all of this and share it with so many people, the book, the forum you. and your public appearance, your bravery in appearing on um, Dancing with the Stars and Facing down people who are willing to just say things that I just I don't understand people sometimes, but I yeah. really appreciate. I think that being a champion for a group of people who could use a champion, I, I really yeah. hats off, hats Thank off, you. absolutely. So, and also you can get everything. You know, you can order my documentary, my book, and everything from the website. So, and that's at chasbono.net. 
Chazbono.net, not yep. Chazbono.com. I think Chazbono.com will get you there, but it but it is Chazbono.net, which right. is as, which is actually the proper. I found out from from my my web master is the proper. It is a network. Okay. So it oh. is the actual proper okay. one. So. I see. Yes, I know. Well, Interesting, we, isn't I think it? we own all the the ones too. I think yeah. you could actually get yeah, to I us from dinnerpartyshow.net. Yeah. It yeah. still takes you here, but right. but yeah, oh, I didn't realize that that's what oh, well, obviously that's what that means. Yeah. Duh. I think we also own Chris and Eric are driving me crazy.net as yes, well. Yes, there's that. Case. <laughs> Eric is a big big loudmouth. <laughs> Eric is a big loudmouth. Yeah, that's on there too. Chris is wound like a tight guitar string. Uh-huh. I bought um, that one myself. <laughs> uh, we we were just talking about uh, your bravery and specifically Dancing with the Stars. And we had a listener, one of our party people on Facebook, Amy Eggers, wrote, writes this. It's more of a, a of an observation about your process. It saddens me that because of his parents' fame, he was unable to have the same respect of privacy while making going through a monumental decision that other transgender people had. That being said, I give him all the respect for the class and dignity he showed while sharing his journey. Best of luck. Was it something you wanted to be private, or or was it important to you to um, be public about it? Well, no. I think that I, if I had had my choice, I, I would have liked to have done it privately. And I think if I had that, you know, opportunity, I would have done it many years earlier. Mm. Um, you know, that was the thing that really took a long time to get over. And you know, I mean, I I had realized that I was transgender. Almost ten years before I transitioned. Wow! And so, you know, there was getting past all the kind of usual issues that I think you know most transgender people go through of, you know, worrying about their family and friends rejecting them and job and that kind of stuff. But you know, for me, there was that added thing of you know everybody knowing and. and that one really took a long time to get comfortable with. And um, so, yeah, I, I probably would have done it at least a good five years you know, earlier. Wow. Yeah, one of the things that you've said that, that has touched me the deepest was you had to come to a place where your comfort came first rather than worrying about the comfort of everybody else with who yeah, you are. definitely. Uh, that has been so moving to see as you have become more comfortable with you. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I was, I, and I didn't realize this, but I mean, I was a really a people pleaser all mm-hmm. my life. And I had to get to a place where I could work on that issue. And, um, and you know, luckily I had a chance to do that. Um just kind of coincidentally when I needed to and leading into my transition. And so, um, you know, I finally realized and had this kind of, you know, moment of clarity of like, it's not my responsibility to Mm -hmm. make sure that everybody else is okay with this. Right. 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 Yeah. In the end. And yeah. And once I realized that, then it was, you know, I was good to go. That's true of all of us, whatever our decisions right, whatever in life, it is. that's exactly. what has so right. moved me about you saying that was like, wow, that's true for everybody. For how much, how many decisions am I making in my life about other people being comfortable rather than than me, rather yeah. than starting with me? And then it multiplies it to the tenth power for you. You literally grew up in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. Like you've literally grown up on, in public your whole life. Yeah. Well, then, yeah. And I mean, I think then, you know, once I I was really comfortable with it, 
um, and ready to do it and really feeling like, okay, this is absolutely, you know, the right thing to do and this is the time to do it, then it, it, it's, then, you know, that kind of hit me and it started to feel like almost meant to be because I, I, I was in a unique position where people, you know, have known me all my life publicly Truly. and, you know, have a certain amount of comfort with me. And, you know, that put me in a situation to reach people that others, you know, might not be able to. So suddenly it kind of felt like, okay, this is, this was what was supposed to happen. And you've handled it with such grace. Yeah, absolutely. I I wanted to ask you, I think I know I am, and I know a lot of other gays and lesbians look for that moment where they knew. Was there a moment for you as a transgender person where you knew? Or was it? Um, It was a little bit of a slower process, but there was there was definitely a moment where I really, where I started to think about it, like, and that was, um, and you know, when I look at my whole life now, it's amazing that I didn't know so much earlier. But it was really, you know, I think because there just wasn't any type of trans representation Mm -hmm. on when I was growing up, and so. You know, the thing that I did know about was gay and lesbian people. And the thing that I realized, you know, at puberty was that I was attracted to women. So I just chalked it all up to that. But when I was, I guess, about 30 or 31, I was at a, a, you know, party at and there was a a lot of lesbians. You know, it was basically a large lesbian barbecue. And I remember... Not that they were barbecuing lesbians. No, they weren't barbecuing lesbians. <laughs> Good. Just wanted just, to clear that you know, up. One of those lesbian barbecues that, you know, yeah, that they I have. Know. I've been. And, right. yeah, um, I've been as well. I've been the token gay man. Right. Them. Yeah. And so, and, you know, I think all of the major, you know, lesbian iconic groups were represented. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had your kind of, your sporty, your lipstick, your kind of crunchy granola. Uh-huh. Uh, and I remember kind of sitting sitting back and listening in on different conversations of people that day. And I, and I think that I used to do that a lot because I never felt very comfortable in participating before. And, uh, and it struck me that day that all of these women kind of, regardless of how they uh, presented themselves, all had a strong female identity and felt very comfortable with it. Mm. And, you know, I realized that that day that, you know, that wasn't me ever. Mm. And so that was the first time I started to think that, you know, I think I, I, when I was very young, um, I just assumed that there were other les lesbians in quotes. I'm, doing the finger quotes. Um, <laughs> for those of you at home. I do that all the yes. time on the show. I do air quotes um, and realize no one's seeing yeah. them. So I assumed that there were other lesbians who felt the same way that I did, which was that I felt like a man. I wished that I was a man, but I wasn't, so I'd make the best out of it. Mm-hmm. And that day, I realized that that wasn't the definition of any type of lesbian. No. Yeah. And so that often? was what got me yeah. to start think, really How thinking about it. How often does that get swept under the rug? How often does a legitimately transgender person just get told, you're feeling this way because you are actually homosexual or lesbian? I think a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot, and I think that's why we're starting to see, you know, the number of trans people coming out and transitioning is growing and growing and growing. And I don't right. think that's really, 
you know, surprising because the more um, trans people are, are out there and the more information there is about us and the more we're out in the media right. and the more, you know, it's, you know, it's something that people can see. Um, and it's why your yeah. contribution has been so significant because, as you said, you didn't. You weren't presented with other options. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, oh, well, there's Chaz. I know Chaz. Chaz looks very happy and comfortable. Oh, maybe right. that's for me. Like, yeah. So just I th- being able to see other examples in the world. Right. And I think that we're just, you know, we're just starting to see that more and more. But yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people thought that, and uh, so, you know, it's interesting, especially. Seems to be more so with a little bit more so with with um, uh, female to to male uh, transgender individuals seem to have spent some time in the lesbian community before transitioning. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, there's a new language a lot of us have to learn. I was being told by a friend the other day that transgendered is an inaccurate term. It implies it that inaccurate. this is a single event that happened to you in the past. Right. Uh, what else is there that we need to know to talk respectfully? We need to stop saying the word tranny. Yeah, um, yeah. I've never liked that word. Yeah, yeah. ever. Yeah, I mean, it was so funny. I was out last night after the show with people, and somebody, you know, said, and I was like, you know, that's a derogatory statement, and it's they were like, like yeah. really? And I was like, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, you know, it was like, well, I've heard so many gay men say that. And I was like, yeah, and that doesn't make it okay, you know? <laughs> yeah, they're probably all um, kinds of gay lo- bigots. A lot of We're gay 10% men of say things yeah. that are almost yeah. exclusively derogatory. I see the fight um, from drag performers, from gay male drag right. performers, uh, claiming some sort of ownership of the I term. know, and it's, you know, I mean, it's interesting because, um, you know, I have a really close tie to RuPaul. And RuPaul's Drag Race because those guys did my documentary. Right. And I have talked to them about it until I'm blue in the face. And I'm hoping one day they're going to stop doing that. But um, that day hasn't come yet. And, yeah, they they feel like they have ownership of that word and they they, they don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, they're drag performers. They're not right. transgender people. And, right. I mean, you know, I, again, we've seen like a few trans – gender people come out of that show and I think that there are probably some people that are, you know, some male to females that might go through drag first and then come out as trans. But, but like for the majority of, of drag queens, they're, you know, it's either their job or they're, or they're, right? they're yeah. you know, they're Certainly fun. our most visible drag queens, Coco Baru is not a transgender individual. Right. Uh, same for Varla Jean Merman, you know. So yeah, I, th- I think yeah. it's a very good point. Um, Michael Rakowski, I hope I pronounced his name correctly, would like to know, being the activist that you are, where do you see the fight for equality going in six months or six years? Do you think we're reaching critical mass? And is it now, he defines this as a definite future state, which sounds very sci-fi, that we have to look forward to? Or do you think there's backstepping going on? I ask this question now because I think it ties into what we're talking about, specifically the role of of, of transgender equality, right? you know? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think that there's, at least for the transgender community, I mean, we're just starting. Right. So, um, you know, I look at what's going on with the whole LGBT community and um, a lot of great stuff is, is happening right really now. Really amazing And it's really time. exciting. Yeah. My fear is that 
I think a lot of people are looking at marriage equality like it's the end all be all of our movement and you know it's not and so that's you know I really hope that if you know when that happens people don't be like oh okay we're done we have our rights I mean we still have not been able to pass uh, the Employment Non-Discrimination Act right. which would protect the entire LGBT community in the workplace uh, on a federal level mm-hmm. and that you know to me has always been the most important um, bill that needs to be passed because it, it protects all of us mm-hmm. uh, right. and uh, so I mean we still we still have a long ways to go and and as as a community the tr- transgender community still has a you know a really long way to go and the last time that bill got close I think what killed it is that they stripped the T from it they were going to throw the transgender people under the bus to get right. the bill passed and yes. it all fell apart at the 11th hour yeah yeah do you, is it do you do you see Politics. or are you part of conflict within the community do you encounter other gay people who say well I don't understand transgender issues and I don't relate and I'm not transgender um you know, usually not that blatantly. Mm-hmm. It's usually just um, what I experience is just a uh, an ignorance, and right. and there's I, I think an an assumption that because you're gay and or lesbian, you're going to have a greater understanding of what it is to be transgender. And my experience is that that's not necessarily true. I've met. No, I don't know why. It you would know, be. I've met straight people who you know have just as much understanding or in some instances greater understanding of what it means to be trans than gay and lesbian people i would think that that would be true yeah and and interestingly you know the people that uh of of strangers who mess up pronouns or call me by my old name uh the most and it's not a lot but every time it's ever happened it's been a gay man interesting yeah Interesting. And is it they're referring to you as having been another gender in a what they would call a previous life? Is that is that how they make the mistake or do they just misidentify? No, they'll just misidentify yeah. me today. Right. Yeah, it's it's uh it's really bizarre. You think so. it's a lack of awareness or just an old habit? I don't know. I really I don't know if it's an old habit or a lack of awareness or understanding or thinking that, you know, it's okay because we're, you know, all in this family. Yeah, all family and so they can I I really don't know, but I think that there is um you know, just still a lack of awareness. And I think you know, I think maybe it does have to do with with and I don't mean this in a derogatory way when I say like with the with drag and those two things, uh, you know, gay men looking at it as the same thing because I right. love drag. I'm I am a huge right. fan of drag. I'm a huge fan of RuPaul's Drag Race. I did it last year. Mm-hmm. I'm shooting it again this year. Excellent. Um, it's one of my favorite shows. But I think that you know sometimes uh, guys just may confuse you know these these two things that are really yeah. totally different. It, it, it sounds like the peril of this, or, or in terms of understanding, is someone who's had what's really a superficial experience with being accused of acting like the other gender, believing right. that that's an experience of being transgender, 
You yeah. know, like yeah. because I was an effeminate young man, I know what it means to be transgender. When right. really, it's sort of just skimming the surface of what the experience really is. Yeah, effeminate yeah. really doesn't have anything to do with gender. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, that's really m- more gender expression versus gender identity. Absolutely. So, almost like a learning thing. Mm-hmm. Amy Cook would like to know if you have had any positive experiences with Christians who are not only supportive of the LGBT community, but who are actively distancing themselves from the anti-gay bigotry most commonly associated with the Christian community. Here's hoping. Uh, And she'd also like to know what role religion has played in your journey as a transgender man, if any, I Um, add at the end. uh, (laughs) You know, I have the, the, um, I have, you know, gotten things on, on Twitter, from from supportive Christians, mm-hmm. great. So, um, and uh, as far as I mean, in my in within my transition, um, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't belong to a a organized religion. Um, I, I would consider myself a very spiritual person. I am uh, a person who believes in a higher power. Uh, and I definitely experienced before I transitioned a real feeling of um, peace about doing this and of that, you know, I was going to be okay and that I would really be carried through this process. And, uh, you know, there was definitely a spiritual experience about it. Um, but, you know, it was it was a spiritual experience. It wasn't at all a religious experience. Yeah. So it sounds like there haven't been enough supportive Christians to maybe outweigh the non-supportive <laughs> Christians. Yeah, definitely. You know. Mostly, I get you know really hateful things said to me by Christians on you know Twitter or Facebook. But that's I have what gotten. Jesus would do. But I have gotten uh, you know a few supportive things, and uh, there oh. is I do belong to a group on Facebook of um, liberal Christians because I do think it's important to Mm -hmm. really support that movement. Right. Good for you. Well, in terms of support, Kristen McLeod would like to tell you that you are an inspiration and she thanks you for being so open and she absolutely adores you. She's not had a chance to read your book yet as her budget is very tight, but she will definitely (laughs) grab a copy as soon as the budget allows. And we want to remind people about your website, which is Mm chasbono.net. That is the Chasbono Network where they can buy all of your books and learn about all of your projects. You recently published a book called Transition. Right. Uh, which we will post a sales link to on our website, thedinnerpartyshow.com. Um, and I think that about wraps it up here for us. I think it's wonderful that you came and visited really, us. Really, and, and I just I mean, want to take a moment to say that it has been a real privilege and very informative for me personally to be a part of, to be around as you have become more comfortable with jazz. Thank right. you. Like just seeing you become the jazz that you are today has really been inspirational for me at so many levels. So thank you for coming and sharing that with us today on the show. Thanks we didn't get a me. chance to talk about your mom, surprisingly. <laughs> Isn't that refreshing? Uh, every now and then. <laughs> Chris yeah. loves forgets, that, I know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. 
<laughs> yeah, but uh, watching her uh, uh, support you as well and, and defend you against the bigots while you were on Dancing with the Stars was also a, a great experience also touching, from yeah. afar. Yeah. Very She's touching. She's a great gal. Excellent. Well, that's it uh, here for the dessert portion of the evening. Now it's time for another installment of our special series, Best Served Warm. And then Eric and I will be back to wrap up this episode of The Dinner Party Show. Thanks, Chaz. Thank you. And now, in keeping with The Dinner Party Show's commitment to community enrichment, it's time for another in our ongoing series of public service announcements featuring the people who make The Dinner Party Show what it is. Best Served Warm. Hi, y'all. I'm Tanya Lee Musgrave, travel consultant for The Dinner Party Show, and this is Best Served Warm. Now, travel can be a very dangerous thing, especially if the people you get on a plane with want to kill you. That's why, on every flight, I recommend bringing dangerous reading material. Now, my widowed friend, Mr. Donald Drummond, when I told him this, he said, Tanya Lee, what the same hell are you talking about? How am I supposed to fit my daddy's Luger inside a novel and then get it on a plane? So I said to him, Donald, that is not what I meant, and watch the sass or that is it for foot rubs while you make me watch Ice Road Truckers. I meant the title of what you are reading should suggest that you are a dangerous person and then terrorists won't want to mess with you. For example, if you've got one of them Al-Qaedias sitting on your row, who do you think they're going to go after first? The lady reading Entwined with You by Sylvia Day or the one reading Inferno by Dan Brown? Now remember, it's all in the title and not the author. That Stephen King fella sure as hell might be creepy, but his latest book is called Joyland, so I don't think that one's going to help you much if things go nuts up in the not-so-friendly skies. So remember, when you're flying, don't just act and smell dangerous. you got to read dangerous, too. I'm Tanya Lee Musgrave, and this is Best Served Warm. We don't hear much from Tanya Lee anymore. I don't know. Maybe we hear too much from Tanya Lee. I guess it's all a question of perspective. I think it's a question of you not being able to handle more than one awful special correspondent. You were saddled with Jordan Ampersand, and you had your moments with Tanya Lee, particularly. I think that it's really great that we have a travel consultant who doesn't like traveling. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great. But uh, we had... Quite a show tonight, I have Quite to a show. Say. Lot, covered a lot of territory tonight and got to spend time with a couple of really good old friends. Both Karen and Chaz are actually friends of ours. Absolutely. So I never. Always nice to see people at the dinner party that I'd like to see anywhere. I never got a chance to say to Chaz during, during the interview that, that his public decision, his decision to go through that journey publicly, changed my feelings on the issue. I, you know, I wasn't, I don't believe I was prejudiced against trans people, but I wasn't aware of what they went through. And I wasn't aware of all the things that went into a transition emotionally, yeah. psychologically. And, you know, I had a dismissive, detached attitude about the transgender community. And then a friend of mine announced that they were. You know, and it, it, it changed me, changed well, my attitude. Well, the thing that, I, that really moved me, as I said in the interview with Chaz, was that Everybody has to get to a point in their life where they decide that it's about me being comfortable, not about you, me making you comfortable with my decisions. That, to me, I think is true for all of us. Absolutely. Well, continuing the rollout of pretty big headline-making guests, Dan Savage will be here for our next show. Very excited. The founder. So we'll see him next Sunday. He's here promoting his book. His new book, American Savage. A lot of us know him as the founder of the It Gets Better campaign, but he's been an activist and journalist for years, and he has a 
new collection of his columns out called American Savage, which he'll be in town promoting, and he'll be stopping by the dinner party show. And we'll be announcing the winner of the Ask Dan a Question yes. contest. So, Absolutely. You'll lots to tune in for next week. Until then, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to The Dinner Party Show. I've been to a marvelous party.